This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back everyone. Thanks for listening. We're talking about doing the impossible and managing the lack of resources against unprecedented need here in Michigan on this edition of Food First Michigan. And last time we had Crane's reporter Sherry Welch with us to share with about a story she was writing about the perfect storm coming to Michigan this late fall and winter. We originated this topic with Lou Rubel from the Department of Health and Human Services, and we've defined reality on our recent shows and fulfilled the first responsibility of leadership, but it isn't enough to define the problem. We've got to create positive change out of these stormy circumstances as well. Today, we are bringing hope to that conversation as a person of great influence and an even bigger heart joins the show to talk about how the issue of food security is vitally important to the Michigan company she represents. Join Jerry Brisson and me in our next segment when Carolyn Bloodworth from Consumers Energy, one of the purest definitions of a friend that I've ever known, joins us here on Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson and Carolyn Bloodworth join me here, Executive Director for Corporate Giving for Consumers Energy. Carolyn, welcome to Food First Michigan. This is your first time on our show. I cannot believe that. Jerry, that's got to be your fault. (laughs) Well, undoubtedly, and what a terrible, terrible fault it is. Carolyn and I have known each other since I had hair. That's how long ago that is. And... uh, and that's wonderful memories from back in the soup kitchen days. And I know, Carolyn, you're going to give us a little bit of your background. And how did you get from there to here? Or if you even want to start, you know, before then, what's what's a little bit about Carolyn's story? Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, I'm just honored to be on this award-winning program. My goodness sakes. And with two people I consider great friends and wonderful co-collaborators. Um, what a story. Well, I am a proud employee of Consumers Energy, 39 and a half years. Wow, that's great. It's, you know, we are a cradle-to-grave employer, and I could not be more thrilled and more proud to be employed by Consumers Energy. It was Consumers Power when I joined. I was a college student. I got to go work with adults half Hmm. my days during the week. It was a wonderful experience, and that's what kind of whet my appetite for how awesome this company is. I started in the mailroom, so I started at the very bottom of the company, and it was a great experience. Worked my way through the company. I actually kind of stumbled into the role that I have today. They were moving some people around to accommodate some um, personal changes for people that needed to move into different places, and they asked me if I might consider going into the corporate giving area, and I said, well, I love what I'm doing, really. You really want me to do that? And they convinced me. And I can't believe I even questioned it because the job has grown and I certainly have grown up through all of it. And that was about 30 years ago. So I have been really grateful for the opportunities it has afforded me. So how in the world could you be there 
that long and what'd you do start when you were 10 years old weren't there, oh. weren't there child labor laws back then well not back then My God. <laughs> <laughs> i remember being told i worked in, uh, in kalamazoo i was a, t- a student at western michigan and I remember being in the service center and everyone reminding me I was the youngest person in the building. And there were about 500 people there at the time. And they made a big deal about me being so young. Um, hmm. I, had I known then how wonderful it was to be young, I didn't, I didn't understand it then. Now I do. I really do now. Right. Right. Well, that's a great story. That's a great story. Um, and, you know, I we follow each other on Twitter and uh, other social media platforms, and uh, I just say congratulations. It looked like just recently you had a pretty big um, family event that looked really joyous and happy, even in the middle of a pandemic, or certainly hopefully not the middle, maybe we're past the middle, but still congratulations to you and your family. Um, and you are such a stalwart for good through this entire state. And we have the opportunity to serve on the Michigan Nonprofit Association board together. And um, it's just a joy, Carolyn. And so before we go any further, I guess I just want to say thank you um, for all the good that you and consumers are doing throughout this state. It's it's amazing what's happening. And we want to talk a lot about that today. Well, thank you so much, Phil. It's my honor and my privilege to be able to help steward and shepherd a lot of good that we're doing. Well, you guys were doing a lot of good before the pandemic, um, but you certainly have, uh, I guess, you know, kind of the cream rises to the top here. Um, Jerry, I don't know if I've even told you this story, but um, it was it was the middle of March when the schools, the unexpected school closure uh, for some schools, that was like Friday the 13th. Others, it was Monday the 16th. And um, it was during that first week that, you know, I mean, everybody was scrambling, trying to figure out. I remember us as food banks, we were asking ourselves the now seems the most ludicrous question we could ask ourselves, which was, geez, I wonder if we're essential or not. (laughs) I mean, what a stupid question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it was more a matter of not understanding the definition. And so, you know, what is the definition of essential? But uh, of course, since then, we have a much clearer understanding of what that has meant, right? Yeah. What has that meant? And I mean, we were concerned. I mean, I we were afraid we were going to get stopped by the police on the way to work. I mean, back in those early days, we didn't know what it meant, a stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if there were going to be blockades that you had to drive through with identification. We gave every single employee that had to come to work a letter saying they, in fact, work for us and they are needed in their job. I mean, it was, you know, nobody just had any idea, practically speaking, what that was all going to mean. So, of course, uh, you know, pretty pretty strange to be here now thinking back on then, even it was, was only six months ago. Well, the first, que- the first call I got uh, that first week, it was like the third week of March, was from Carolyn. Phil, what do you need? And I was like, geez, I don't even know what I need yet. But, you know, there I mean, that's that's who we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about, Carolyn. I mean, we defined a friend as someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. And you certainly did that. And you were first. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. Um, I don't know if I remember I told you this or not, but I was actually in Washington, D.C. the mm. week before. I was there, and that was a question whether or not we should go, but I was there with the Council of Michigan Foundations. We go every year and talk to the Michigan delegation. 
So I had some pretty firsthand knowledge of just how things were headed. And I, at that time, I remember sitting there in meetings with our senators and with our um, legislators and having them talk about what was happening around the country and back in our state. And I recognized right then, I'm going to need to get to work as soon as I get back. And obviously, my first thought, my heart is goes with food, with hunger, mm -hmm. and my background, knowing I, I used to serve on the Food Bank Council board long before the two of you were involved. I would have stayed on if, no, if I'd known you two were coming in. <laughs> um, but I know how vital and how critical that your organization and your network is. And so I knew that you would be helpful. Well, it was a great call. It certainly set the rule, and it, and it didn't stop there. I mean, you used your uh, relationships and influence across the state to help influence folks to understand what a role the food banks could play in this pandemic. And um, I think that was lived out then probably the first three to four months of uh, the governor's uh, press conferences about COVID-19, she would close the conference with, uh, with the um, encouragement to um, the people of Michigan to support their food banks uh, across the state. And so, you know, it was, I, you know, th those things are, are, you know, traceable back to your relationships and um, that kind of influence across the state. Um, and certainly it's been a, it's been a, a most needed because I don't think any of us ever anticipated this level of need that COVID has brought to all of the state. Well, I, I think, too, one of the things that I remember from those days and, and from people like you stepping up, Carolyn, is we had to focus on how are we going to get the job done. And, and it, was, it was a heavy lift. We had to add, uh, uh, you know, hundreds of new locations throughout the state, and every food bank had to do this. We had to develop whole new safety protocols for every distribution so that the community would stay safe and the, our team members and, and the volunteers involved would stay safe. And so we were really just, you know, very intently working on those things. And the reason we could spend time on it is because people gave us the money so that we could get our job done. And it, it could not have happened without that commitment. It just couldn't have because you can't do both. You, if you got to spend all your time raising the money, then you can't do the work of, of lifting the, uh, the community to that next level of, of um, response. So, I mean, it really meant a lot emotionally, but practically too, we couldn't have, have um, done what we did as quickly as we did if it weren't for you and others like you stepping forward to say, we're here with you, we're going to walk with you, we're going to support you, we're going to make sure the community has what it needs. So, I mean, it, it really is a tremendous help um, and continues to be as well. So again, thank you so much. Well, it's, it's our pleasure. And I think um, it speaks to, when you think about how quickly you were all able to mobilize. I think about your network and how responsive you were, and particularly, Phil, you mentioned the kids in school. And I think mm -hmm. the recognition immediately by so many leaders throughout your network that this is going to be a very significant impact. And we, we recognize that as well. Just making sure that school is a place where these kids are getting fed and you were able to step up and work with the schools and work in coordination to make sure everybody was still able to get those very most basic of needs we needed that at a time when it couldn't, the need couldn't have been greater. Well, it's kind of a bookend story because uh, Jerry and I have an update about that. 
that just happened uh, just a couple of days ago uh, in regard to children in schools and our ability to step back in and, and help feed those. Let's pick this up on the other side of the break, guys, um, about COVID and you know what, what consumers has been doing, uh, not only for their, their customers, but for the community. And, um, and so Jerry Brisson, Carolyn Bloodworth, Dr. Phil Knight here. We're all three back. You come back and join us too. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. We're back. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, our guest, Carolyn Bloodworth, Executive Director for the Corporate Giving of Consumers Energy, um, a friend who walked in um, so and walked in first for our efforts. So, Carolyn, tell us about what consumers has been doing uh, throughout the pandemic, because I know you've, you know, not just walked into our door, you walked into a lot of doors. You bet, Phil. Well, fortunately, because of my time and my, and my role, and I have to say the nonprofit um, network throughout Michigan is strong. So we called you and immediately provided you with a $250,000 grant because we knew food was going to be a big issue. But we also knew there were going to be some other issues as well. So we contacted our friends at the Michigan Association of United Ways. Um, the United Ways across the state have been on the ground and um, really helping to make a difference immediately as well. Um, so we provided support for the United Ways, and that also includes support for 211. The 211 yes. system, I know, is a critical piece of the entire network for all of us. Anybody needing help, whether utility assistance for food, transportation, whatever it might be. So we wanted to make sure that some of those very stabilizing forces were, were there and, and, and got that help that it, they needed. But also another piece of the equation for us was community foundations across Michigan. Hmm. So you think about some of these bedrocks of communities that are in every single county. We serve the entire Lower Peninsula, and there's a community foundation or a United Way serving every absolutely every one of them. So we provided support for community foundations. So many communities, community foundations and food, and not food banks, but community foundations and United Ways work together to create funds to support people in need. Um, we also wanted to mobilize our employees and obviously we couldn't let them leave their homes. Hmm. Um, while we did have some employees that were truly essential, those are gas and electric workers doing really critical work. But we, we, um, create a special matching program. We currently match gifts to food banks and food pantries now, but we lifted every limit that we had. So we encouraged our employees, if you really want to help, money is really critical. So we asked our employees to contribute and boy, did they ever contribute. We were able to match um, thousands of dollars from our employees. Mm. Um, and that really made a difference because a lot of that support was going to local food banks, local food pantries, some backpack programs, school programs that were still supporting kids, even though the schools were not in place. So we really um, were very grateful for our generosity of our employees. But we also did some different things. Um, I know, Phil, we worked with you on senior quarantine boxes. Yep. That, you know, we recognize the, the critical um, criticality of seniors who are homebound and couldn't get access to what they truly needed. So that was a great partnership and really appreciated being able to do that. And we provided some significant support to community action agencies across the state, particularly in northern Michigan. They needed to revamp, but you know, Phil talked to uh, Phil, you and Jerry talking about all the changes that 
your food banks and food pantries had to make. Community action agencies, they're just, they were distribution centers for a lot of food programs, feeding programs, Meals on Wheels, and they were not equipped for this. Right. So we provided funding to community action agencies so they could maybe buy a forklift because they were getting food in, in very different quantities, or they maybe had to change their warehousing. They had to get that PPE for their um, workers who were delivering meals. And so we provided significant support there. Um, but we also recognized small business was being impacted by all of this as well. So we've made a huge investment, about $1.8 million in small business grants across the state. Um, they're the lifeline of communities. They're the lifeblood of many, many small communities and small businesses suffering and they're continuing to suffer today. Wow. That is amazing work. Um, you know, Carolyn, uh, I'm going to give you a compliment right here because there's not a lot of guests that come on, um, that, um, that Jerry takes notes for, with, <laughs> but, but he was doing that while you were talking. So I know he's got questions. <laughs> well, that, you know, uh, it, it's kind of a interesting list of go to people when you got to get a lot done quickly, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and so, you know, part of the reason I'm taking the notes as we're, as we're, engaged in community in so many different ways as well, um, it's always good to know who other people's go-to people are, right? I mean, it's just great to know. And so certainly I'm familiar with and have worked with every single one of these organizations and couldn't agree more. I mean, you talked about 211, oh my gosh. When we were creating, you know, 80 new distribution sites, how do you get people to know where they are? 211 is the answer. People call 211, they know where to go. And and we right. got maps up and we got, you know, all kinds of other things and and the United Way here locally was absolutely critical to to us. So you know, and, and the community foundation as well. And, you know, I mean, again, I could just go down your list on each of the things that you, that you mentioned and say, yes, 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 yes. So that's great. And, um, and very affirming in a lot of ways too. And of course, I'm going to let these people know they were called out on our radio show. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little selfishness involved here too. I will have to admit, yeah, but, listen, um, listenership is important. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, it's um, it takes a community um, to respond to something like this, and, and it's not just one of us, right? And one of the things that we've said for a long time on this show is we have to build the movement in order to have a food secure community. Everyone who has a place in solving hunger needs to find a place here, right? So you listen an awful lot of of organizations and people and things that um, that are part of our community. And what an honor and privilege it is for us to be working with them all too. So that's the reason for the notes and, and what was going on in my head. And Carolyn, it's no surprise that you're one of the leaders in here uh, with all of us, you know, making this all real. So, you know, with, put a little perspective on the senior quarantine box. Um, when the, when the pandemic, when the executive order went out and we got the, uh, emergency school closure or unexpected school closure that happened to seniors as well, cause their senior centers closed. And that's where a lot of seniors go to get particularly their midday meal, if not more than that. So, you know, that was done. That was over. So now how do we, um, how do we get food to people who are the most vulnerable and are at risk of going to the grocery store. And um, so, Carolyn, we're not talking about just a box or two. <laughs> we're talking about 38,000 boxes that this gentleman and his team over here, Gleaners, were responsible for creating that box 
and then building that concept and then building those boxes. And, uh, and then you entered in on the back end too, because, you know, we were able to get those to different regions of the state, but consumers was able to put those in dry in, in consumers vans and dr- with consumer drivers and actually put those on the doorsteps of our senior citizens at risk across the state. That was, and I have to, uh, that was such a tremendous opportunity. I had a couple employees contact me and say, we, we have energy efficiency vehicles that we typically are out in homes trying to help people be more energy efficient. Obviously, we weren't able to do that. And they said, we've got these vehicles. How can we help? What could we do with them? So didn't take much. I contacted your staff, Phil. You guys connected me with Phil. You, you connected me with Jerry. And the rest is history. I think um, we just had a couple employees. Actually, I think they were contractors of Consumers Energy. It wasn't even our employees. Just a couple of them went out, and they were, I think, felt so rewarded to be able to do that. And I'm so grateful we were able to do that. It's just the smallest in kind. I think that's what most companies across the state were able to do. Everybody found their lane. Everybody found their niche and what they could best support. You think about so many of the big companies and what they were able to do. And I'm just really grateful that we were able to help in a lot of different ways. It was it was a lot of fun. We got to take a quick break here. Uh, Carolyn Bloodworth, Executive Director for Corporate Giving at Consumers Energy. That's a cradle-to-the-grave company, Jerry. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, but she's going to be back with us for one more segment. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, we're all back. Come back with us. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Carolyn Bloodworth is with us today, Executive Director for Corporate Giving at Consumers Energy. Jerry Brisson, our illustrious co-host, has questions. Illustrious. I like that. That's a better name than I often get, so I'll I'll go with it. In fact, I'm going to add it to my resume. Please do. Um, <laughs> so here we go. You know, one of the things, Carolyn, that's so important about what you and Consumers does is you provide one of the most essential needs of the community or two, you know, gas and electric power. And and um, obviously we all depend on that, businesses, individuals, and that's everybody on the whole spectrum from the wealthiest of us to the poor of us, poorest of us and, and everyone in between. And it's easy to take for granted, right? You, you get up in the morning, you turn the lights on, you turn the shower on, you use your stove and you just take for granted what it takes to really provide that service. And yet, as we've gone through some significant economic impacts and some huge challenges and people switching from businesses to homes, I mean, that affects all kinds of things in the way that that you have to do business. So tell us a little bit about what it was like for the company to go through this and how did you prioritize, here's what we have to do? Well, I, you're, you're so right, Jerry. I think our, our, our main priority at Consumers Energy is our customers. And we want to make sure that we're caring for our customers in the best way that we can. So our, our employees are essential, those that are providing the delivery of that electricity and gas service. And so that was one of our very first priorities. Um, I'm not sure if your listeners are aware, we even quarantined our workers at our power plants. Huh. We, um, we are, we're not a deep company. We run a very tight ship, very tight lean ship. And we were very, very concerned. The company also, in addition to being a priority for customers, the priority was the safety and care of our employees as well. And we were very deeply concerned that about any of our employees that might be um, infected with this virus. And so we actually quarantined our workers that, at our power plants. 
They had to live on site. They didn't get to see their families for a couple weeks. We made sure that they were fed and cared for while they worked. But when they didn't work, they had to go live in a, a trailer or a motor home and away from everybody. So they made sacrifices like everyone else because we wanted to make sure that that power, we would continue to provide that power without any interruption. Um, but we also make sure that we, we know we have a lot of customers who are challenged to pay their bills. And so there were a lot of um, actions taken to make sure that nobody was turned off during the, during the height of the pandemic. And we've been very, very, very careful to care for these customers who are unable or maybe they're behind on their bills. We, we recognize, you know, we are, we are that one bill that people get that there's a consequence if you don't pay it which is why sure. I think we're very sensitive to food. People have to make these difficult choices every single day, whether they pay their utility bill or they buy food for their family or medicine. And so when we can help them with things like food, that might give them a little bit more ability to be a little less stressed so they can pay some of those other demanding bills. But we've done a lot to make sure that our customers can continue to have the service that they need. We're providing assistance. We're working right now. I know our, our team is very busy right now working to make sure that both business customers and our residential customers have what they need to, to continue to be able to receive the services. Um, we have set up a number of business programs. We can do um, things to help them reduce their, their energy needs, um, to help them reduce their energy bills. We've got a lot of programs available to everyone. We really encourage people to look at our website and take a look so they can even just the smallest changes can help reduce their bills. And that's really sure. important. And that's part, of our, that's part of our plans for the future as well. I remember early on getting a, a, a kind of a plea to use less energy for a period of time. I, I can't remember if it was because there were some plants that couldn't operate. I, I mean, I mean, you know, but I, but I do remember it was related to staffing, being able to staff everything uh, as we were going through this process. I mean, what, a, what an intense time that was. You might be remembering when we had that big Arctic freeze and we had a, an incident at one of our gas compressor stations where we asked everybody to dial back. And yeah. um, it was, you know, a once in a lifetime situation, but it was also one of those times where Michiganders came through for each other. Mm -hmm. Much like in this pandemic, we're all coming through for each other. We know we can do that. Um, it's a, a sense of pride and um, really, really grateful for how everyone does come together and respond to each other. So, Carolyn, I have a little bit of a leadership question for you. Um, and, you know, one of the probably uh, tenets that our values, we principles that we believe in is everything rises and falls on leadership. And this person you've got leading Consumers Energy seems to be um, a pretty phenomenal leader, if I might say so. Just I follow her on, I follow Patty on Twitter, and um, she's just posted a story about uh, one of y'all's coworkers, um, and uh, it's a pretty incredible story. I listened to it before we did the show today, and this gentleman was a gas is a gas line worker, and he spent 44 days in the hospital because of COVID. And so, you know, I don't think we would probably think about uh, maybe like people, we think about healthcare as frontline workers, and certainly I've tried to ring the bell to say that Food Bank and their teams are frontline workers. But as you've demonstrated on this show today, so are consumer energy workers. They're frontline workers too. So tell us a little bit about Patty's leadership and um, and what's that meant for you? Because it seems that you guys are working hand in glove together. We um, 
I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am for Patty and her leadership team during this time. Um, it really is a true testament of them and their fortitude and the care that they have mm -hmm. taken. They've been very deliberate about making sure that we are all cared for. I mentioned that our safety has always been a top priority. Um, and it's, it's, very, it's very helpful to have someone that is so deliberate in her actions in terms of making sure that we all know. Communications have been incredibly strong. Um, we've made sure that every employee that can be home is home. So we have very mm. few employees that are working in our facilities today. Wow. And um, we will be home for at least through the end of the year. And those people who are, are want to stay home, I believe, will probably be able to stay home. We've we've learned a lot throughout this crisis. Yes. Right. Um, but but there has been the one thing that's been constant has been communications. And also, I have to give a shout out to an incredible technology team that we have, because hmm. we all you know we were all by March sixteenth we were all home. And, right. And there, wow. has not, there has not been a single blip in, in our technology. We've been able to all communicate, um, and it's been very strong and very supportive. Um, but I think the leadership really set the tone immediately for all of us. First, first note was be safe. Next note was let's figure out how to make this work and the flexibility that we've all been given. We have, I have so many coworkers like you who have families at home. They're trying to, now they're trying to help their families and with school or they're caring for loved ones or they have other things that are happening. And that flexibility has really made a difference as well. That's amazing. Well, we, we sense that from Patty and I just wanted to have the opportunity to hear it firsthand. Um, so, Jerry, um, we're going to close up this segment here. Let me give you the last uh, shout-out to Carolyn. And uh, so for me, Carolyn, uh, thanks for walking in. My pleasure. And certainly, uh, you know, I I'm, I'm, can't help but think back to those early days over 20 years ago when we were serving food at the Capuchin Soup Kitchen and, uh, you know, trying to put together a big event. And from then till now, Carolyn, what tremendous work you've done for our, for our community and for the work that we do. So my thanks to you as well. I don't know why I look so much older and you don't, but I mean, I, I probably has to do with lifestyle and I don't want to fix that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, I'm really glad this is a podcast. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, and no, on behalf of everybody at Consumers, we really appreciate the opportunity to give back to a state that's been so much to us. It's been 130 plus years for us and we want to continue to care for communities that make a difference and mean so much. Great. It's great to have you. And I promise it won't be very long before you're back on this show for sure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Jerry and I are back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Jerry, Carolyn Bloodworth, what a great friend. A great friend and someone who really knows the community. And so a pleasure to work with Carolyn for so many years um, and to realize that part of our success is built on the care and concern of so many people. I mean, I was, again, just impressed at, you know, the list of organizations that she could go to when, when times got real tough real fast to get 
help and to get things done immediately and to make sure that people will, were well served. And again, keeping in mind, a lot of the customers of Consumers Energy are affected by this pandemic, whether it's health or whether it's unemployment or, you know, the same perfect storm that affects us as food bankers affects companies like Consumers Energy in a big way. And so we're just proud of their efforts to make sure that the community is well served in the midst of all this and reminded of how we take for granted that essential service. It, she, it's really incredible some of the work that they've done. And uh, of course, you know, Carolyn's kind of the tip of the spear there. Um, you know, when I think about um, what I refer to in the, our food bank world as Black Monday, which was uh, April the 6th, when one of our suppliers of shelf-stable foods uh, contacted us and said, um, you know, we're not going to be able to supply this food. We're not going to be able to get you to fulfill the orders that you've had in. Um, I mean, that was a pretty dark day for our for network. Sure. And we didn't know what we were going to do, and we didn't know how we were going to do it, even if we knew what it was. Um, <laughs> right? it, was it was probably the Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, Carolyn calls me and says, uh, Phil, how's it going? And I was like, Carolyn, uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she says, right. no, no, she didn't shrink. She says, no, I want to know. And I told her, and you know what she said? Well, if anybody's going to figure this out, it's going to be your group. I mean, that's what she thinks and how she holds in esteem the work and the leadership of our food bank network. Well, and do you have the numbers in front of you on how much we've increased our distribution uh, consistently every week through the pandemic? That's so, all of us food banks in Michigan. Yeah. So I, we started uh, the average weekly distribution prior to COVID was 2.6 million pounds. Um, we've averaged since the end of March 4.5 million pounds. And just a week or so ago, we topped over 5 million pounds distributed in one week. Now, one week is really defined as about five days. Yeah, uh, right on. So, right, right on. you know, so, um, you know, that's 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 the raw numbers um, that we've been able to increase uh, our our efforts into the community. Yeah. So when we're talking about what the support means. That's that's a lot of food getting to a lot of families who needed it, many of whom really were looking for help for the first time. Um, yep. So uh, so we're so grateful that that we have people like Carolyn and Consumers Energy to walk with us um, to make sure that kids and families and veterans and seniors get what they need. Well, and again, she was first. Yeah. You know, she was first yep. and, and, and dropped, you know, uh, $250,000 on the food bank council. And we immediately passed that through 100% to our seven members across the state in order to help them. Uh, you know, because what people might not realize is that when the unexpected school closure, kind of the signal event for the uh, pandemic uh, happened and the executive order was given, um, all the food that was in all the food banks warehouses were already going someplace else. Right. It wasn't right. like you had a bunch of food sitting around with nothing to do. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly so, right. So Carolyn said, I want to come in. Consumers said, I want to come in. And, and, and you take this money and you buy the food that you need to start helping, in this case, the students and their families. And we should spend just 30 seconds, Jerry, on the development that uh, has occurred this week that allows the food banks to come back into and serve the children that are 
in the school system now. Yeah, so when Sherry was on last week, we talked about the perfect storm, and one of those was switching to the National School Lunch Program, whose rules are very different, and it was going to make it very much more difficult for food banks to continue to serve the community. Well, all that changed this week, and the USDA came out with new uh, executive orders, basically allowing us as community partners to continue to serve school kids in a similar fashion to what we've done since the beginning of the pandemic. That is great news for kids and families. Families. It means we're going to serve literally tens of thousands of meals every week, um, and those families are going to get relief, and those meals are going to be reimbursed through the um, the Michigan Department of Education, through the USDA, and what a, what a tremendous uh, benefit that's going to give to the community. Well, shout outs to uh, Senator Debbie Stabenow, Representative Fred Upton, uh, Superintendent Rice at MDE, Diane Godzinski, Director of uh, Food Services over at MDE. Lots of work uh, in um, advocating to the Department of uh, Agriculture for this change of policy. Time for a little food for thought. The author of the classic, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams said, the impossible often has the kind of integrity which the merely improbable lacks. He's right. Impossible stands there and says, I'm not possible. For those who dare, we stare right back and say, we'll see. Food insecurity is complex and interwoven into many of society's most difficult challenges, yet here we are standing up to not just a bully, but to a confident, undefeated foe who simply says, beat me if you can, and there are no rules. It isn't one-on-one or two-on-one or a thousand against one. When impossibility puts on the costume of food insecurity, it says, bring everything you have, everyone you can muster, and take me on. Impossibility is both a problem here and this time, and a foe to be fought generation after generation. For what ground it loses today will have to be held tomorrow. Steadfast perseverance is how we turn impossible into possible, and food insecurity into history. We make history by putting and keeping food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.